this is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 27th, 2017. Keeping it real, quarters. So welcome to our final week of Keeping It Real. We've been looking at some reality TV shows and uh, considering what kingdom principles we can glean from them. This morning, we're going to take a look at hoarders. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to thank you. Many of you have checked in on our kids, Megan and Ted, who are in Houston. And grandchildren. And grandchildren, (laughs) uh, Isabella and Adeline. Um, I just got a text earlier from Ted um, at 10 o'clock. 24 inches of rain in the last 48 hours at their house. Uh, Please pray that the upcoming rain amounts are not what they forecasted. Um, And then he asked for his prayer for Eric Harding, who's their worship pastor at one of their campuses. They're waiting with seven kids to get rescued from their house. Then I just got one. We have uh, Melissa, who works at the church, her parents and their grandmother and their dog now with us. They live in a section of countryside, that's where Megan and Ted live, that has no power and water coming in. So uh, Megan and Ted are right in the middle of all this, and we would really appreciate your prayers for them and for, I know that you know people too, who are um, experiencing some situation. Yeah. Uh, tough times. So um, anyway, let's pray. Mighty God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to lift names to you specifically and also you know even the names, the people that we don't know. Uh, Thank you for the emergency personnel. Please keep everyone um, safe and that there would be no uh, loss of life. Lord, we um, seek you and depend on you and love you with everything we've got. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said... Amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about Hoarders. It premiered in 2009. It's on the A&E Network. And apparently the, when it premiered, it was the largest premiered show on A&E. And um, it seems that adults between 18 and 49 particularly watch this. Is, does anybody watch Hoarders or are familiar with it? Yeah, okay. So then the question is, what is hoarding? Well, according to the ADAA, or the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, hoarding is the persistent difficulty discarding or parting with possessions, regardless of their actual value. This behavior often has negative effects, emotional, physical, social, financial, even legal, for hoarders and their families. So it's the amount of stuff collected that sets hoarders apart from everyone else. There are lots of collectors, and they take pride in their collections, and they display their collections. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about um, just excessive, excessive, that really gets in the way of life. And so on the show, 
uh, they uh, involve a hoarder, and then they have that person work with a psychologist and, and an organizer or a cleaning specialist team where they conduct a two to three day decluttering section, including family and friends. The aim is kind of twofold. First, to help the hoarder learn new ways of thinking and patterns of behavior, while at the same time making the home uh, a, a livable and usable space. In most cases, it was a crisis that brought about this intervention, such as a threat of eviction or possibly the removal of children from the home. So you might be thinking right now, okay, well, this is maybe a little bit interesting, but what does that have to do with us right here today at Connection Church? Well, on one hand, it makes us kind of stop and think about all of our stuff. We have a basement full of boxes that at one point we looked in, but we just couldn't let go. We of just them. couldn't let go of. So it makes us think that we really need to wade through that stuff and take a look at do a little decluttering ourselves. Maybe you're feeling the same thing after seeing that. <laughs> On the other hand, and our real focus this morning, it comes from a emotional, psychological, spiritual standpoint. I think many of us, probably most, maybe even all of us um, are hoarders. As we hang on to things that are keeping us from realizing all that God has in store for us. Now, the stuff we're talking about, though, in this case, it's not piled up in our homes, in our basements, in our closets, in our living rooms, but in our hearts and in our souls. The hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we cling to in our lives. According to Celebrate Recovery, a a Bible-based 12-step program that deals with this, A hurt, habit, or hang-up can be anything that keeps someone from realizing their full potential as a person. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups can knock us off of God's plan and throw us into a worldly detour headed toward destruction and despair. So we're going to take a look at each one. Let's start with hurts. A hurt is any life experience that may have damaged your heart, your emotions, your psyche. And when I say your, I mean mine as well. A hurt is an offense that cripples our ability to deal with the world in a healthy way. Kind of this um, twisted view that could happen of, of yourself, of God, or of others. Now, I'm going to name some common hurts, but the list is much, much greater than this. Um, Hurts that include things like abandonment or abuse that comes in any any form. It could be uh, betrayal, could be some dysfunction as a family, it could be abortion, it could be rape, it could be rejection. There's a lot of range of hurts that we're talking about and that's just, just a few on the list. There are many sources of hurt. So then where does one begin? Well, first, first thing is you have to re- we have to recognize the hurt to realize how it is negatively affecting our life. Some, sometimes we've stuffed that hurt down so deep that we aren't even aware of how it's affecting. We might not even be aware that we have that hurt, or, or it might be 
Uh, we might be thinking it's something else. Uh, maybe it's coming out in a different form. We don't even realize what the core hurt is. Being able to identify the emotions that are involved are important. And what, what are we feeling? What are we truly feeling? You know, we might think it's anger, but that's a secondary emotion. What's, what's, what's um, uh, um, generating that? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it embarrassment? Is it abandonment? It, what, you know, what is it? We need to seek uh, God's help for this. That's essential through prayer, through deep introspection. Uh, a helpful scripture might be this from Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. And then the addendum you might want to add is, and Lord, please share with me what you find. Help me realize what's deeply hidden in my soul, Lord. So in the last few years, I've done some deeper introspection, and the need for that has been spurred on by some Bible study that I've done with some trusted friends, and I began to wonder why I respond in certain ways, either in my thoughts or my words or my actions. It's like, well, what is that all about? What, what's underlying? And I realized that I have had an issue that I never really, really dealt with. And once I realized what it was, then I could begin to experience freedom from it. And so then it's important when we realize what it is, the hurt, we, to be able to somehow express it, that hurt, and especially if there's anger, in some, I'll say, healthy way, you know, uh, Expressing anger isn't that challenging. You know, punch a wall, yell at somebody. Those aren't really healthy expressions of the anger, of the hurt. How can we express it in a healthy way and possibly consider reconciliation with the person when it's safe to do that? On the other hand, sometimes we need to set boundaries because it might not be safe with a particular person. And so it's not a, just a be-all, end-all, have to reconcile. Sometimes that, that's more than a notion. Um, and sometimes we're not able to express uh, what we want to express with the person. Maybe there's a distance. Maybe they don't want to hear us. Maybe there's a lot of different reasons, but it's still important for us to kind of get it out. It's valuable sometimes just to write it like in a letter, what you, what you would say to the person if you could. It gets it out of your system, so to speak. Uh, this is especially true if the person that hurt you is deceased. You know, it's tough to have a conversation with that person at this point, but you can still write out what you would say to them if you could. And why, why not just say it? Because writing, there's something about writing that, that's just very cathartic, that's very uh, allows you to, putting it on paper kind of gets it out of you. Again, prayer is essential, seeking God throughout. And here's another scripture you might find helpful, Isaiah 40, 29. This is from the New Living Translation. God gives, say it with me, God, God gives, gives power, power to, to those, those who, who are, are tired and worn, and worn out. out. He, he offers strength, strength to the weak. And maybe you're just dragging and God's the one that can give you the strength for what we're talking about this morning. So in my case, um, the offense was with my mom and with my dad. 
And before they passed away, I was able to lovingly express the hurt. And there was reconciliation. We were never completely not reconciled, but there was greater reconciliation, although there was not complete resolution. And all along this process, over the years, I have been seeking God's wisdom and depended on God's power. And today, now, I feel less hurt and less anger than I did a number of years ago. And I'm so grateful for the healing that comes from Jesus and also so grateful for being connected with other Christian people who can walk along the journey with me and who I can trust with, with what's deep down inside. In some cases, we might need to seek professional help, you know, maybe a counselor, a therapist, maybe a psychologist, maybe even a psychiatrist, someone who has tools. They've trained. They've got tools to help us recognize, deal with pastors. There are Christian counselors that we can turn who, who have those tools, but they also have Scripture. You know, when I was about 40, I, I um, was dealing with some challenges that I really uh, didn't have a handle on where they were coming from. I thought they were current day things that were happening, but I, I, I had a friend who was uh, actually a pastor and did counseling. I turned to him, and he had some tools that were very helpful in helping me kind of go back and realize I was still hoarding some stuff from childhood even, or maybe teenage years that I, I didn't even realize. And, and so that counselor helped me kind of uh, deal with, with what had piled up, what I would hoard, and to kind of let go, face it and kind of let go of it and deal with it. Yeah. So I've also had the help of a counselor more than once, and I have to say it's not really fun. It's like, oh, yes, I can't wait to go. It's not that way. But it's worth it. It's worth it in the end. Even though there's some pain in the midst of it, it is so worth it. And we view that seeking uh, help outside of yourself is a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Let us know if we can help you with that. Yeah, you know, to follow up, there's kind of a stigma, I think, sometimes that you sought help because it was an emotional or psychological thing, you know. Uh, and, and I think the stigma progressive from the word counselor to therapist so to psychologist to psychiatrist, you know. You're seeing a shrink. Oh, you know, what's going on? If you had a broken arm, wouldn't you seek a doctor? I mean, you can't mend it yourself. Sometimes these things, we need people with professional tools, and I would, we would encourage you strongly, don't let those stigmas get in the way. The real strength is, is seeking help. Because ultimately, the goal of all this is to let go of the hurt, right? You know, actually, it's interesting. In the next series, we're going to be talking about where Jesus uh, in miracles, he says, do you want to be made well? We, well, unless we have some ch other challenges, we want to let go of the hurt, don't we? we? Hurting is not a good thing to, to continue on in. In the church world, we have a word for this. We call it forgiveness, letting go of the hurt. Forgiveness is a tough concept, though. Um, 
especially if we've made up our minds. Now, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but I think I might ring some bells here when I say, maybe you've had somebody, you said, I will never forgive that person. They don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve forgiveness. They hurt me, said, I will never forgive them. And, and, and we all know what's meant by that, that the hurt was so bad that that person shouldn't be forgiven. They, they hurt me so badly, there's no way I can, can let them go. Well, the problem is, by not letting them go, you're not letting yourself go. In fact, 20 years later, when you say, you know when you hurt me so bad, and they go, what are you talking about? Or, or I don't really care. I don't really care. And so you've been clinging to something 20 years And they either don't even realize what happened or don't care that it happened. And you're the one that's hurting. You you don't hurt other people by clinging to it. You know, forgiveness benefits us. It's it's almost a selfish thing to forgive, actually. It's it's almost about me because it allows me to, to let go. We're the benefit. Forgiveness doesn't mean we're saying what you did to me was okay. Get that. That's, that's wrong. It's not, what it's saying is, I'm not going to continue to hoard the hurt. Say hoard the hurt. Hoard the hurt. Say, I'm not going to continue to hoard the hurt. I'm not, I'm not going, going to continue, continue to, to hoard, hoard the hurt. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to continue to let what happened in the past control our future. I'm not going to let the past control. You know, that's why sometimes you've got to write a letter to somebody who's deceased. What's really incredible is where we let somebody in the grave continue to control us. That doesn't make sense, does it? And yet we, we, we let that happen sometimes. It means we're going to be free of whatever it was that was holding us hostage, keeping us from fully enjoying the people around us, keeping us from fully enjoying what God has in store for us, and it's good stuff. Yeah. So I, I have forgiven my parents. I've been able to do some of that in person and some, you know, with, with God. And what I mean by that now is that the offense doesn't have the hold on me that it once did. It's not consuming my head anymore or my heart. I'm not thinking about it 24-7, and it's very freeing. And the other thing, the reason why forgiveness was so important is because that's what Jesus says to do. And in Scripture, we, we read that it's not possible for us to receive forgiveness until we've been able to forgive others. And that's really, really tough. That seems a bit crazy. And that's a sermon, a message for another time. Amen. That. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Let's look at habits. Again, looking at the Celebrate Recovery materials, habits, and here when we're saying habits, we're talking about bad habits, negative habits, habits that negatively affect us, not good habits, but those kind of habits. They tend to be unhealthy patterns that often start as a perceived remedy to some problem in life, but they end up turning into a chronic bad behavior or addiction. Habits are the repeat default scripts we run to when things are getting tough. The trouble is when we run to them, the going usually ends up getting tougher. (laughs) So some common habits include, but it's not limited, it's just a partial list here, 
things like um, abusive behavior, behavior, alcohol abuse, bitterness, affairs or unmarried sex, a critical spirit, drugs, drug abuse, uh, both legal and illegal drugs, um, eating disorders, gambling, gossip, lying, self-mutilation, sex addictions, spending problems, stealing, unforgiveness, workaholism, and this is just a partial, partial list here. So there's a common thread um, here that the person has allowed these things to take over their life, take charge of their life, because some of this stuff that we're talking about in and of itself is not, is not bad. Examples, you know, God gave us sex and intended it to be a beautiful expression of love and commitment in the context of marriage. And when we violate those boundaries, things change. Alcohol in itself is not bad, but it's when it's used in excess that it can become a super huge problem. Work is a good thing, but when work overtakes our life and it becomes so, so important that everything else and everyone else doesn't matter, that is not good. Correcting a child is what we're supposed to do as parents, but when that becomes, you know, to the extreme and abusive, that is flat out bad. And so in these things, when we have, um, when we create unhealthy conditions, those are the things we're talking about. And that's when we have a problem. Like the whole hoarding thing, it gets out of control. In the 20th chapter of Exodus, that's the second book in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, we find the Ten Commandments. Anybody here ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Oh, good. A couple of you have. Good. Basic, basic rules for living that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. You know, a list of ten is easy to remember usually. Pretty. Number one, number one commandment. God shared with Moses, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, God's got to be number one in our lives. Number one above all else. And then commandment number two goes hand in glove with number one. It says, should make no idols for ourselves. We should not bow down to anything or anyone other than the God who created us. Yeah. And so, again, there are good habits, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those bad habits that become unhealthy patterns that lead to behavior that's that's not good when something else takes over and becomes our top priority instead of God when we worship that so to speak and it's totally contrary to what God says actually to what God commands whether it's a person or a substance or work or play or sex or food or even something as healthy as exercise that can go out of good things can spin out of control and then it consumes and then can even take over priority and god no longer is number one when that happens we've just got things upside down mm. And so then we have to look at how can we flip them back to right side up. Well, again, first we have to identify 
that there's a problem and what the problem is. And truth is, most of us are very good at justifying our actions, pretending that there isn't a problem even when one exists. So we need to seek God's help and God's strength. Prayer, crucial, as always. And here again, you may see some outside help, a counselor, therapist, doctor, 12-step group. There are recovery groups for all kinds of addictions. We encourage you to get some help. Get some help. It's, a, it's not a bad thing to say, I need help. It's a good thing. Uh, sometimes, here's a real challenge, you may have to completely change the people you're hanging out with. They might be part of the problem, not the solution. They may be dragging you down rather than encouragingly lifting you up. And tough as it is, you're far too precious to be hanging with people that are tearing you down. So you may have to change that. Here's a scripture to encourage you. 1 Corinthians 10. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Amen that. So finally, we come to the hang-ups, hurts, habits, hang-ups. Hang-ups, those are generally some roadblocks that, that keep you from progressing forth in God's plan for your life. These are often shaped by some bent thinking that, that was picked up along the way, sometimes in childhood, sometimes adolescence, sometimes young, someplace something got picked up that was a little wacky or some unhealthy attitudes that we've adopted as a means of coping with life's challenges. And again, the list here is extremely long, but it includes anger, anxiety, arrogance, bullying, codependency, control, depression, fear, greed, guilt, lack of self-control, lack of trust, especially in God, materialism, people-pleasing, perfectionism, pride, procrastination, self-righteousness, self-condemnation. That's quite a list, isn't it? <laughs> and we're just starting to scratch the surface with, with that. Um, wow. I think most of us can find maybe one or two in that list that we can identify. I reading through it, I had an ouch when I read arrogance and procrastination for me. There are a couple of challenges I face. And just because we identify with it doesn't mean that it's to the point of a, the problem like we're talking about today necessarily. It's not the occasional fear or the occasional guilt or the occasional lack of control that we're talking about. It's it's when these, these hang-ups overwhelm us, control us, fill us, consume us. It's when they take over. Like when the buildup of stuff takes over the house of a hoarder. Hurts, habits, hang-ups. So what do we do? It's similar to what we've said before. Seek God. Ask God to help reveal the hang-up and... Um, Seek God's strength. And here's the thing. Remember God's loving presence in your life. God loves you so much, even in the midst of all of the 
the stuff, even in the midst of our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups, God loves so much and is not going to say, you are so messed up, I don't love you. That, that can't happen. That it can't happen. That is against the very nature of God. And so once this kind of comes out, even lean in more into the, the love and the mercy of God. And also get connected with people who are for you, not against you. Get connected in Christian community, in small groups, in serving. That brings us up and out and points us in an in a upward direction, and we can help with that too, so let us know. Come tonight to the service. There's so many ways that we can um, have positive behavior that helps. Hmm. So we come to the question of the day because we seem to have one virtually every Sunday, and you maybe have already figured out what today's question might be. question for today is, what is it that you're hoarding? What is it that you're hoarding, and, um, and how are you going to deal with it? You know, uh, there aren't any simple answers here, and we're not going to give you some sugar-coated suggestions to give you the easy one, two, three step, and it's over with. Keep it real. No magic bullets to speak of. Here's the truth, though. Truth is this. Jesus' power is greater than your worst-case scenario. In fact, let's say this, except I want you to plug in the word my in place of your. Say it with me. Jesus', Jesus power, power is, is greater, greater than, than my worst-case worst scenario. scenario. One more time, like we mean it. Jesus' power is greater, is greater than, than my worst-case scenario. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Um, it's big enough. Jesus' power is big enough. power of the Holy Spirit is big enough to overcome whatever it is and set you free. And he's demonstrated that power in many ways. Next week, we're starting a series that looks at some of his miracles in the book of John. There's some powerful ways where his his strength, his power can overcome anything. So we really didn't expect our August series of reality TV to be so heavy. This is a fun series. This was supposed to be fun, and it's turned out to be, oh, my goodness. <laughs> They're saying if this is fun, I yeah, have to see yeah. the other one. But, <laughs> but this stuff has been important to say. And we want you to know that if you think that your hurt or your habits or your hang-ups are always going to hold you back, that is not true. That is the enemy talking in your head. Don't listen to the enemy. Don't listen. God can help you and free you from your past and your pain and not only give you a hopeful outlook for life, but even use that to help some others around you. And here's another thing. You're, it's not an issue of a lack of faith. Don't let the enemy tell you, oh, you're not faithful enough. No, 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 that is not the case. Hold on. I can say that. Also, don't let the enemy say you're a failure. You are not a failure. Our struggles, our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups are part of life. None of us are perfect. We've got to take off the mask. 
I can't believe it when I walk into a store and I run into someone and they say, life has been really tough, I'll come back to church when I've got my act together. Seriously? I, I may as well never be up here if that's the case. So, let's, we're in this together. We're in this together and our testimonies can be developed and we can be changed and transformed by Jesus Christ and be victorious over our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. If you don't have any of those things, you don't have a testimony, do you? Nope, you don't have one. That's what gives us the testimony. Two scriptures I'd like to leave you with this morning, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. The Old comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 8, New, uh, New International Version. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. That's not just words on a page. That's truth. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Last line here. Please say it with me, but we're going to change do not to I will not. Say it with me. I will, I will not, not be, be afraid. afraid. I, I will, will not be discouraged. discouraged. And then from the New Testament, from Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. Now, Paul, you know, Paul was a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, but he, he faced a lot of junk, uh, uh, shipwreck a couple times, beaten, imprisoned, and he also had what he called a thorn in the flesh. And we don't ever know what that is, but there was something that was a hurt. But here's what he says. He says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he, the Lord, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Say that with me, will you? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Say the last sentence with me, please. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. That's the good news. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, um, this has been a tough message today. It was a tough me message last week with the voice. The amazing race was hard. But Lord, you just want us to be real with you and with one another. And that's what, uh, what this is all about. So thank you for gathering us here, for corporately as we can lift our voices and our hearts to you and know that we are not alone, that you are always with us and that we are part of this church family called Connection. Lord, thank you for breaking every chain for the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, 
please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.